Welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast, where each episode brings you compelling conversations and stories designed to entertain, enlighten, and encourage. And now here's your host, Brian Sexton. And welcome into the Intentional Encourager podcast. I'm your host, Brian Sexton. Thank you for joining us again today. And I have a dynamite, a dynamite podcast guest. I just continue to be blown away by the caliber of people we have on the Intentional Encourager podcast. This lady is no exception. She is the host of the Woman to Woman podcast. And we were joking before we got started recording because Typically, you know, when people have podcasts, they'll say, hey, you know, I'll come on your podcast. You come on my podcast. I am not allowed to go on her podcast because I am not a woman. So it's the woman to woman podcast. But encourage you to get that podcast and download it. She does a great job on the woman to woman podcast. She's a leadership expert. If I can talk, a leadership expert. It's hard to communicate sometimes. Even when you do a podcast, it's hard to communicate. She's a leadership expert a podcaster. She's going to tell us all the things that she's into, but it is my honor to welcome Divya Yaragutla to the Intentional Encourager podcast. Divya, how are you today? Doing great, and thank you so much for having me. This is such an honor, and I'm so excited to be here with you today. Well, I don't know how honored I would be to be with me today, but but I appreciate your kind words and things like that. Divya, everyone, let's start here. And, and you know from listening to the intent, we talked before we started recording. We're still, to, to whatever degree we're in, in the midst of COVID-19, and, and the, 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 the information is varying at the time that we're recording this podcast. But I want to get the perspective of those people. I know what things have been like here in West Virginia, where I live around it. I know how I've been affected personally and professionally. I want to know what the last 16 or 17 months have been like for you around COVID-19, because everybody handles it differently. Everybody's had a different experience. What's your experience been like around COVID-19? And what's the biggest lesson that you've learned through the pandemic? So definitely it's been a tough time for all of us, I guess, because at different levels, we've all had to adjust to things we were not used to. Um, but I, I'm a very optimistic person. I like to see the positives coming out of it. So just looking at the positives for us as a family, um, we were going to be empty nesters last year. Both my kids were going to college and suddenly COVID happened. So they ended up doing virtual. So I, I'm very thankful for that extra six months I got with my kids which other was, you know, otherwise would not have happened. That was one. And I guess it gave us all time to kind of take a pause, reflect upon what we were doing, how important life was and how we need to have this whole work-life balance, self-awareness, mental health, you know, focus on that. And I think that has come into focus a lot more than ever before. And I think that's a good thing. Because at some point we had to kind of stop and take a pause and think about, you know, what's important in life and talking to everybody kind of, I know we all did that self-reflection. And I think that's definitely a big plus of COVID. Otherwise we never had time to stop. Right. Yeah. And I feel yeah. we got to do all these long walks. I have two dogs as well. So they were super happy. Suddenly everybody was home. We were kind of a unit. We took so many walks. 
so many discussions that we never even had time for, we were able to do that. For me personally, um, I've been training to do a full marathon for a couple of years now, but every time there was some injury, something happened or work schedule just didn't let me train the proper way. So when COVID happened, I was like, okay, this is my one chance. So I was able to train and finish a full marathon for the first time. So for me, that was a big thing. Um, and again, you know, having the time to take a pause, think about what's really important, what I want to do. One of my passion projects has been this woman to woman, you know, have some kind of a platform to help other women succeed. Yeah. And how can we give back to the society and how can we really encourage other people? And that kind of came to life finally, because I was able to make things happen, come up with the plans, talk to people. And um, yeah, so I think COVID in a way was hard for all of us. But I think the important part is what did we make out of it? And right. that was the important part. So for me, I have a lot of different positives that I can look back on and say, that was a good year. It was a hard one. Yeah. By well, no means am I going to minimize that. Well, Divya, and, and again, I love what you said about training for a marathon. And, and, and I, you know, let's step back for just a minute. You were talking about different things, the, the goal being to run a marathon and different things getting in the way. Well, I, I, I have a goal to train a certain way. This injury crops up. This thing comes up. This, you know, and you're not a professional marathon runner. You have a, a career that, that a lot of times, and, and that's what, you know, people will talk about the podcast and I'll say, look, I have a career first. If I can work the podcast around what I do for a living, then I do that. But my career comes first. You know, how I, I, I provide for my family, that has to come first. And then everything else comes gets put to the side. I want to ask you something from your leadership background. How did your leadership background and knowing what you knew about training others, how did it help you prepare yourself this time when you knew you had the space and the opportunity to train the way you wanted to train? Because here, I, here's why I asked that question. A lot of times leaders will say, I would like to train my people this way, but I see this obstacle in the way. I would like for my people to be trained this way, but I, I don't want to, to overdo it or things like that. Very similar to running a marathon. We don't want to overdo it and injure ourselves. How did you take your leadership expertise and apply it to training for the marathon? So as a leader, you know, three things are very important, especially as you mentioned teams, you know, training the teams, mentoring the teams. It's important to be there for them, to support them. So that support system is just so important when you're trying to mentor anybody or, you know, kind of train them. Having a plan with milestones is the second key part. I feel that's extremely important. If you're not tracking towards a plan and you don't know exactly what you're trying to get to and you don't have interim milestones that you know whether you're meeting or not meeting so you can update the plan, that's something that's important. The third and the most important thing I feel are tools. You need to give them tools, whether it's tools for tracking, whether it's tools to help them train better, whether it's you know a Udemy course that you find that's extremely helpful for them versus a live training. So those three things I think are extremely important. And when I was training for marathon, I kind of did the same thing. I definitely went through different plans. Mm 
um, again, not every plan is for everybody, right? right? As you said, this is not what I do every day. So I found a plan that I thought would work for me. I came up with my support system. I had my coach. I had my husband who was kind of, you know, uh, rallying behind me, having my smoothies ready after I came back from a long run. So having that support system encouragement definitely helps. And then tools, you know, I had um, my apps. I had my Apple Watch to track, you know, every mile I was running. I had uh, my Garmin heart rates. Like you have to have the tools to make sure that's happening. Right. Again, after you start doing very long runs, um, I also got my like compression boots. That was like the best thing I could have invested in. That was expensive. So I was hesitant, but I'm so glad that my husband convinced me. He's like, you know, do it right. Don't get injured because this is your life dream. Just invest in whatever you need to do. And that was the best thing. So after coming back from a long run, I would just wait to get back home. That was what I was looking forward to towards those last miles, you know, just get home, have my compression boots on, have my smoothie ready to go. That, that was good. So having, having those milestones, meeting them and looking forward to something is always important. Like what do you get, you know, that little rewards yeah. at the end of each time you finish something. So, yeah. So I think the same principles apply. I've always wondered, you were mentioning the, the compression boots. I've always yeah. wondered how the, the marathon runners in Kenya and, and these other countries that run barefoot, how they do it. I'm like, you know what, I, you know, because, and, and I, I want to go here for just a second and, and pivot a little bit because I don't think people realize that when you're training for something, that injuries happen. Injuries are going, the injuries are going to happen. You have to deal with little things. And again, there's that correlation of leading through teams that have little nagging injuries and things like that, that always come up, especially when you're trying to lead a team virtually, right? Because we, we can all see the, the Peloton commercials. Everybody's in their, in their, their, their office or they're in the, in, in their workout room in their house and they're running on a treadmill or they're doing an exercise bike and there's a virtual coach there, but nothing is quite like being out there and actually running on a surface or things like that or running that way. I, I got to ask you this, when, when you think about the times as you were training for the marathon, as you were running, did the, did the injuries of your past, kind of get in the back of your head and you maybe said to yourself, okay, Debbie, you don't push yourself as hard as you want to push yourself because you might get hurt or things like that. I would have to think that you would have to beat those things back just as you have to beat those things back in a team. A am I, am I going in the right direction there with you? Um, as far as, as those things you have to push aside, because I'm not ever trained for a marathon. I, I respect people that do, but I would have to think that setbacks of the past still creep into the mind as you train for the present. How did you yeah. keep yourself? How did you keep yourself encouraged and beat back those setbacks that you've had in the past as you were training for the, for the, the marathon that you ran last year? That's actually a great question. Um, any, any training, right? Not, not just marathon, but even in any kind of training or any kind of work we do, half of it is mental. You know, how do you mentally prepare yourself? 
The remaining half is physical. And anytime you have had injuries, it's definitely at the back of your mind. And you pace, overpace yourself, knowing fully well that that was a problem area and you don't want to go back there. But one of the things, you know, learning through my career in pharma is, and I am in commercialization. So you always do product launches, you learn something, you move on and you pay special attention to the areas that did not work well the last time. But that said, you know, there are thousand areas that can go wrong by putting too much focus on that one area that didn't work the last time. And you know, you already accounted for it in the planning. You knew that might fail. So you over planned in that area. You can't just put your focus just on that area because then everything else, you're just leaving it out there, you know, at risk. Yeah. Similarly, when you're training, you know, you had an injury. So that was something is always at the back of your mind. But I guess the one thing that one of my orthopedic had told me was make sure that if any of the past injuries, when you start doing your long runs, long run is anything over 10 miles, and if one of your past injuries is hurting, you immediately stop and give it a break. Give it two breaks, ice it, then start again. Like don't try to push through a pain or an injury. And I think that that's what I just held at as my guiding principles, my guardrails. Yeah. Anytime I knew exactly, I have like three past injuries. So I'm like, okay, as long as they are not hurting, this part of my body is not hurting, I'm fine. And anytime that happened, you know, take take the two-day break. And again, your any plan in your life, right, has to be adaptable. The key word these days, agile. <laughs> you have to be flexible. You have to be agile. You should be adapting things as things go. You can't just have a rigid plan and say, no, this is the plan I'm going to stick to. You need to listen to your body, listen to your mind, your heart, no matter what you're doing, not just the running part, right? And I'm, I'm yeah. sure you agree with this too. You've talked to so many people. It's the same thing. Things happen to all of us. You know, we don't plan for them. We don't expect them, but right. they happen. It's not what you do. It's how you react to these situations. How do you adapt to these situations? Well, Divya, let me jump in here. You, you're hitting on something really good. And I was thinking about, you were talking about past injuries. Okay. A lot of people don't realize when they're getting their body in shape, a lot of people think it's it's building the cardio, it's building the, the the heart and lungs to be able to do that. Your biggest enemy, a lot of times, what I've found is your feet and legs give out before your heart and lungs do. You know, you you can push your cardio farther a lot of times than your joints will let you go. A lot of times, you get sprains and strains and things like that because the muscles are being pushed and working harder a lot of times than the heart and lungs are working. So, you know, sometimes people have to deal with, you know, a lot of times pro athletes as well too, they'll deal with nagging things because it's not the, the cardio. It's not that they're not in great shape. It's just, they can't shake the nagging things that continue to happen. Their, their, their joints are telling them, hey, you, you've got to really take it easy. I, I want to ask you this before we take a quick break. Were there ever times when you were training that you said to yourself, this may not happen because of the things that you dealt with in the past? Did you, did you think to yourself it might not happen? Or were you just determined that I'm going to do things differently this time so that I get the result that I'm looking for. 
that's always there. If you keep doing things the way they are, you will get the same results. So of course my plan was different. Um, I, but one thing I had decided with everything happening, right? Just the fact that I was still healthy. I wasn't hospitalized at any point of time. I, I felt very grateful and very blessed. And I was like, you know, I'll do my best. If things happen, if I'm able to finish this, great. If it doesn't happen, there is a bigger reason and I'll do it next year. Again, with everything happening around us at that time last year, you know, towards um, the tail end, the third quarter, it was just so much news coming through, you know, so many people getting hospitalized, so many deaths. This was definitely something that was important to me. But again, looking at the bigger scheme of things, you know, as long as I'm healthy, I'm able to walk, I'm even able to run no matter how long that in itself was a blessing, you know, and I thought if I'm able to complete this this year, great, it'll be a milestone for me in 2020. If it doesn't happen, I'll try it again next year. Awesome. That, that is so good. Let's step aside, take a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk about Divya's podcast, the woman to woman podcast, give you a little more insight around that. And then a little bit later, we're going to have Divya share her story with you, an incredibly powerful story. My guest, Divya Yerguntla, joining me today on the Intentional Encourager podcast, back in just a moment. Hey, everybody, Brian Sexton here. I want to tell you about our sponsor, SEO National. SEO stands for Search Engine Optimization. Now, what's that, you might say? Well, Search Engine Optimization helps you show up higher on search engines in front of paying customers for words that you, as a business owner, can monetize. What a great concept. SEO National is owned by my good buddy, Damon Burton, who's been a guest here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Not only has Damon and his team worked with businesses of all sizes, from e-commerce startups to NBA teams and Shark Tank featured businesses, but more importantly, Damon and his team are about transparency, trust, and providing lifetime value. So much so that he still has his first customers after opening SEO National 14 years ago. Let me give you some intentional encouragement and call Damon and his team today at 855-736-6285 or go to www.seonational.com and get a free quote. Debbie, let's talk about your podcast. And, and again, I, I love that woman to woman. No, I'm not a woman. I still, I, I mad respect to you. Um, Give me the, the genesis behind the idea of starting that podcast. I know what the genesis was for starting the Intentional Encourager podcast. Everybody has different reasonings behind starting their podcast. What was yours? So I, um, first of all, I've been a woman in the workforce for a long time. Um, seen a lot of things. And just reflecting back, you realize there are so many things that you have learned over your career, you know, things that if somebody had even told you, or, you know, somebody had guided you in the right direction, things would be very different. Maybe the journey would have been much shorter, much smoother. Um, and as a woman, we try to do everything to perfection. And that's something, you know, when you are young, nobody tells you it's okay not to be perfect. And now that I've started mentoring so many people, you know, I, I do some mentorship programs with high school girls, with uh, women, and that's the one thing that keeps coming up again and again. And I'm like, it's okay not to be able to do everything to perfection. You can only do so much. You just pick and choose what's priority at that point of time 
in your life. So one of the things I really wanted to do was have a platform where we share this, you know, common wisdom from all the women leaders who have been there, who have done that, and who are willing to share their journey and experiences. And one of the things that happens in one-on-one -on -one mentorship is all of this knowledge is kind of just restricted to that one conversation and is delivered to that one person. And I really wanted to have a multiplier effect. You know, any conversation we have should be able to help as many people as possible, as many women as possible. Mm -hmm. And it's not that we have a dearth of opportunities. Like it's so many companies are actually moving towards, you know, encouraging women in leadership roles. So there is a lot happening. There are opportunities. It's just that, do we take it in our hands and grab those opportunities or do we just keep down because we are in this self-doubt mode, which happens a lot with women. So really wanted to have this platform. And during COVID, it was a time of reflection. I'm like, okay, this is the time I want to go ahead and do this. And I have two daughters um, mm -hmm. who are in college, as I mentioned. And I do want this generation to not have to face some of the things that we had to deal with or some of the things that now we already know, we learned, we know how to do, deal with it. How do we really share that knowledge with this upcoming generation of women and make sure that they succeed? How do we help other women coming up as leaders to make better leaders of tomorrow? So that was really the genesis of this podcast. What was the one thing that has come up in your podcast that was a moment for you that was a, a blowback moment? Because in the, here's why I say that. In every podcast that you do, there's a moment where someone shares something with you and it kind of takes you aback. You kind of rock back a little bit in your seat. It's that powerful. It's that impactful. It is, my goodness, you overcame something really, really that, that could have wiped you out, but you overcame it. Have you had that moment where you where, where someone shared something with you and it was that powerful to you and you go, wow, that, that is just so impactful. So one of the things, um, you know, that somebody had said, uh, one of my guests, my very first guest, she was like, we were talking about values. You know, what are some of the values that we hold close to our heart and that we want to pass on to our kids. And she had said, you know, know your values, but also know your value, you know? And that was like, that was something that really stuck with me. I'm like, she is so right. Because a lot of times we don't value ourselves as women. And we don't go for things that we deserve to have because we just don't think we deserve them. And not just knowing your values, but also knowing your own value is so important. And that, that was definitely one of my, you know, take a pause moment. I was like, oh, wow, that was profound. Well, and, and again, you, you find those times when, when you have somebody you're talking to that you go, it, it, and I call them B8 moments, and they'll share something that's like, oh, wow, that was impactful. That was powerful. That was, oh, my, and my audience knows I'll jump in and I'll, I'll just say, oh, my goodness, can you repeat that? Can you share that again? Can you say that again? Because... It's just a resonating thought that, and it's not that you're not prepared for it, Divya. It's not that at all. It is just, it's so powerfully profound 
that it hits you between your ears and you go, oh my goodness. Or you go, oh, wow, I hadn't thought about that. What, for you, when you think about the Woman to Woman podcast, what's your ultimate goal with the podcast? I know what the goal is for this one is it's to to tell incredible stories, inspirational stories of incredible people like yourself and to spread as much intentional encouragement as we can in every episode. What's your goal with the Woman to Woman podcast? So it's very similar. It's really to encourage women. So we kind of go after three segments, you know, high school girls, girls coming out of college who kind of have an idea on which way they want to go in their career, but they don't know where to start or how to look about it. And then the mid-career women. So all of our women leaders kind of share their journey and they talk about how they got to where they are, you know, in terms of education, experiences, what things they would have done differently. So the idea is really, if you are any one of those groups and looking to see if you feel stuck or you don't know how to get to where you want to go, listen to these stories, listen to how these people were able to achieve them, how these women were able to overcome their challenges and achieve where they are, you know? So it, the idea is to really help them get wherever they want to be as quickly and as efficiently as possible and not make the same mistakes. Like, why should we keep on making the same mistakes? Right. At some point, we have to share our lessons learned and help the next generation. Divya, I got to go here for just a second. As you were talking about that, and you were saying, well, the, the three types of, of things that I want the listeners to get. So I've got to ask you this before we take a break. What's the one thing that Divya from 20 years ago, if you could, if you could somehow take your podcast and, and let yourself 20 years ago listen to it or 10 years ago or 15 years ago, what's the one thing that you would have taken from your podcast as an emerging leader yourself, maybe 20 years ago, if you had gotten a hold of the podcast that you're doing now? The one thing and the most important thing I would have taken out of it was network. Try to build relationships and genuine relationships, not because you want something with people, but try to understand people. Try to build your network. And somebody had put it very nicely. You have to build a ship before you get into the water, right? Yes. So it was like, if I was listening to my podcast 20 years ago, that's the one message I would take. And if I wish I had taken that message early on, that would have really helped quite a bit because you learn it over the years. You understand the importance of knowing people, genuinely understanding where they come from, their perspectives. But sometimes it's just, you know, if you had done that 10 years earlier, things would have been very, very different. I, I think for me, I would have somehow subliminally said to myself, quit doing stupid things. <laughs> grow up, you know, grow up and, and, you know, everything will work out fine. So Divya Yaren Gutla is my guest today on the Intentional Encourager podcast. This is enjoyable. It's a lot of fun. We come back though, we're going to pivot and tell Divya's story. I want you to hear her story. And uh, I think you're going to be encouraged. You're going to be inspired. And this powerful lady is going to tell you her story, where she came from, how she got to where she is today. My guest, Divya Yerengutla, host of the Woman to Woman podcast, leadership expert, is with me today. Come back in just a moment 
on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Hey, everybody, Brian Sexton. want to tell you about my new book, People Buy From People, 10 Powerful People Lessons from the Ultimate People Person, my dad. My dad was one of the greatest connectors that I ever knew, and he shared with me 10 connecting principles that I have used throughout my 25-year sales and sales management, customer engagement, and leadership career that I'm passing along to you. If you want to be a stronger deeper and more powerful connector you've got to pick up a copy of people buy from people there are concepts in there that you may not realize help make you a power connector you can go to amazon and pick it up kindle if you're an e-reader and you like to do it that way or now available on audible and there's one other way you can get a copy of people buy from people you can get one from me and i'll sign it for you you go to intentional media and publishing at gmail.com and send me an email and I'll share with you the link on how you can get a signed copy. You can buy a signed copy directly from me. Again, people buy from people. If you want to connect like never before, pick up your copy today of people buy from people. And now let's get back to more great conversation here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Divya, let's dive into your story. And again, take me as far back as you want to go from point A to where we are today, the highlights, the lowlights of your life. Um, Just tell me your story. Tell this audience your story. So um, I was born and brought up in India. I grew up in India. I came here um, after grad school. So it was um, very different upbringing. And um, yeah, so childhood was great. Um, I was into sports, um, very involved with music um, and studies. So in India, education is like the key thing. You always put that on top. And so one of the things, you know, I always wanted to live up to my dad's expectations. My dad was my hero, right? <laughs> right? He kind of um, gave us everything. He always encouraged us to do things outside of our comfort zone. And he always said, you know, you can achieve anything as long as you put your heart to it and just have a plan and go about it. So for me, making sure that I do everything that I can to make him happy was definitely one of my goals. And uh, one thing I would say, when I, so schooling was great, Um, I did want to get into one school, didn't get into that school. And that I felt was like the end of the world for me at that point. But then now looking back, you know, things would have been exactly the same they are, no matter what school you go to. So that's one thing I always tell people, you know, don't worry about it. And I did get back into that school. So it's not that I didn't go there. It wasn't for undergrad, like I had wanted to. And I was like shattered because I was expecting, I had worked hard. I was like, this is, you know, a shoe and I'm getting in. I didn't get in and it's okay. I I went to grad school there, but that was my first disappointment. And I didn't take that rejection very well. Um, I was mopping for about a year or so in my life. I was like, I didn't get to that school. But that was my first taste of rejection because until that point, everything I wanted, I got, and I never had any issues with it. And when I got here, you know, one of the things I realized was it was a very different mindset. People go through rejections here throughout their lives and they're okay with it. And I think 
I wasn't prepared for it the way I should have been. So that was my first big lesson learned coming into US. I was like, it's okay to be rejected. It just means you were meant for something else or the time wasn't right. It's not that, you was know. Was that shocking to you? You're a hundred percent right because we have a society that literally we make choices almost by the moment. We choose yeah. one product over another. We choose one business over another. There's so many, and there's so many things bombarding for our attention, Divya. Was that, was that really that, that rejection mindset? Was that unarming to you or, or, or kind of unnerving to you? Because you mentioned that that was, you know, it's like most Americans are like, yeah, okay. So what, you know? <laughs> So, so what, you know, how different was that thought process for you coming to the U.S. When, when, when you just said, listen, just about everything that I wanted in life, I got, how did you have to wrap your mind around that different, that different thought process here in the United States? To be very honest, it was very liberating. It was great to know it's okay not to get something and you don't have to worry about it because there's always a next time. There's always a next opportunity. So that was my first. And as you said, you know, we are bombarded with so many options. Way back in India, when I went to the bakery, there were two kinds of breads. You know, it was the white bread and the brown bread. So you just choose. <laughs> and I come here, I go to the grocery store. I'm like, where's the bread? And the guy goes, oh, that's aisle some number three or four. And that entire aisle was bread. It was like potato breads, rye bread, <laughs> grain bread. No wonder like, America's so fat. You know, no wonder we're we're just so unhealthy. It's it's like, how many types of bread do you want? You know, you've got honey wheat, you've got white, oh you've got I love honey wheat, wheat by the yeah, way. Yeah, we wheat white. Yeah. Uh, well, listen, living in the fattest state in America, our bread aisle is just massive. I'm in West Virginia, but no, I, it's, it's funny you mentioned that because growing up here in, in, in Appalachia, where I grew up, we've seen the evolution of the grocery store. And I worked in a grocery store when I was a, a teenager and in college. Grocery stores are massive today. I mean, there's so many things that you can get. You really couldn't get hot a hot meal at a grocery store when I was in college. Now you can go, our, our local, we have a local store where you can get sushi, you can get a hot dinner, you can get salad, you can get all kinds of things. And so, yeah, I would have to think to some point it would be liberating, but I would also have to think it would be somewhat overwhelming because you have all these choices now that are, that are invading your space. Let me go here with you for just a minute. You get to the United States to come to grad school, were there other influences that you saw in the U.S. that just kind of blew your mind? Like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe they do this here. I can't believe they do that here. What was it like for you when you finally got acclimated to the culture and the differences in where you grew up and what you were seeing where, where you were going to grad school? So it's, it's funny, you know, like um, in India, especially when I was growing up, things are very different there right now too. And I left a long time back, but when I was growing up, you just don't go and talk to strangers. Like if, if you're in a party, you just stick to the people, you know, you talk to them. First of all, you never see strangers in a party. It's always like close knit. 
when i got here it's like people don't hesitate to go up to people ask questions they ask for help they you know ask for notes they go up to people that they know don't know at all but they'll start talking they'll strike a conversation get to know those people and that was something very different for me you know um that was the whole shift of the way culturally it was very different and it takes time so it took me a few years to get to that point now you give me anybody i can absolutely start a conversation and i can was always was there some fear around that for you with the the first time that you're in the us and somebody comes up to you that you don't know because i would have yeah, to I think don't know what to say to them. yeah well Divya, <laughs> i would I have yeah i would have to think that that growing up like that would make you kind of fearful because I, I'm even when I'm traveling in strange places and someone comes up to me and I'm a, I'm a big guy. I'm six, three, about two sixty, So I'm a, I'm a big guy. I still get a little unnerved when someone comes up to me and asks me something because your natural defenses are going up. I can only imagine for you, you grow up in India you grow up again, like you just said, sticking to people that you know, and now all of a sudden you're in grad school and people are just coming up to you and just asking you things. I would, was there any fear around that or any trepidation around that? And and how did you get past that, that cultural difference for, for you, for you? So the first, so I, I just did one semester, then I dropped off. Then I went back to school to do my MBA after I had my kids. So it was, um, a you did bit the smart thing. Yeah, you did the smart thing. You you went online to get your MBA. I did the same thing. So yeah, it's. No, I actually I, I went back part time. Um, you did go back part time. Well, you know, again, it's you know to each his own. I I did mine online. I just really? I was okay. like you know I was going to be the old guy in the room with a lot of you know twenty something. So I I just went back online. But I I realized quickly that I really wanted to get into business. So I took up a job, um, then, you know, we had kids and everything. And then when my kids were very young though, I was like, okay, now it's time. So then I went back, got my MBA. That was fun though. At that point, you know, like things had changed. When I had just come, it was a different mindset. Once you start working, you get into the workforce, you know, you meet other people, you start observing a lot of different things. And corporate world is very different. It prepares you like nobody's business. <laughs> And then by the time I went back to my MBA, I think I was the most extrovert in that room. <laughs> because I, I, was I like, felt the same people. way. I felt the what? same way because you, you do it, it when you, when you go back and, and I'm glad the conversation is going this way because when you go back to school after a period of time, for me, there was um, an 11 or 12 year gap, maybe a little bit longer from from actually no it was like 14 years sitting in a classroom then going back and getting your mba and all the things that you acquire over that time that you 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 get into your mba course and you go well here's the real world application here's what we did in this yeah. situation here's what we did in that situation um yeah. here's how i led my sales team through this situation you know or the, the professor would put a question out there and it would say, yeah, that reminds me of the time when this happened. And, and yeah. so, you know, I, I see, you know, if you're watching on YouTube, Divya is nodding her head and agreeing because it does. It, it yes. You know, my recommendation would be, 
and I, I talked to a young man over the weekend who just got his, his bachelor's degree in marketing. He's into the MBA program here locally at Marshall University. And for me, I would, my advice to people, and Divi, I want to get your thoughts on this. And, and, and I didn't mean to pivot our conversation this way, but I'm glad you, you brought that up. My advice to young people would be wait and get your MBA until you've got about five to seven years of experience under your belt. Because at that point, when you go to get your MBA, everything will start to make sense. Everything that they're talking about. Well, and, and I had like, I had like 15 years of sales and sales management experience at that time that I got my MBA and it really helped me. What was the thing that you learned when you stepped into your program that was that moment for you? Like, yeah, this was why waiting was a good thing to get my MBA instead of doing it right after, after finishing your bachelor's degree. So the thing was, when when you go from one degree to the other degree, it's all very theoretical, you know, you're doing the courses. And let's be very frank, when you are in your early 20s, 2021, all you care about is an easy course that doesn't need too many hours of work. Yes. You're looking for an easy grader, you can get a good grade, you know, the easy A's. And then you look at your schedule. Is it a mid afternoon class that I'm taking it early morning? I'm not taking a six o'clock class. You know, that that's your criteria. If I could have a- given Marshall $30,000 and just said, hand me my degree now, and I wanted to fool with it. I would have just given Marshall my money up front and just said, just give me a degree. I don't care if you, if you want 50 grand, I'll give you 50 grand. And it, you know, but that was just me. I, I just, I, my goal was get it, get in and get out. And and you're right. Yeah. It's, it's all about your schedule and, you know, completely wrong. Once you go back to college, you know, after a break, first of all, you're sacrificing something. I was sacrificing my family time. I was working full time. I had two kids, very young, two kids. So you are sacrificing so much. So every minute in that class means something. You're not there to fool around. You're there to really learn. You don't care about the grader and how tough your teacher is. You want to learn more about where you think your gaps are, right? For you to succeed in life. Well, yeah, Divya, because you've got got to really plan because, and I love what you said there, being a full-time mom, being a full-time employee, you really have to, to almost wedge that time into your life or into your schedule to be able to do with it and, and to, to be successful at it, you almost have to force a round peg into a square hole from a time and a work and, and, and a family balance perspective. I've got to go here with you for just a minute. And I love, I love where our conversation's going. I want to ask you, though, about the biggest obstacle that you faced in your life, maybe personally, professionally, and, and the lessons you learned from it. Because, you know, everybody has experiences in life that define and shape who they are. Do you have one you would, you would share with this audience? There are a couple, but since we are talking about my MBA, this kind of comes, um, 
I guess, top of mind right now. So while I was in the middle of my MBA, so I was working full time, I had two kids and my husband and I were managing it well enough because my classes were evening classes, 6.30 to 9.30, twice a week. So I would just go directly from work to school, finish it and then come back late at night, but he was there. And then um, his parents got diagnosed with cancer and they were in India at that time. So he actually left for India. He had to take care of them. So he left. And at that point, that was a defining moment for us. You know, do I continue my MBA? Because it was just hard. I couldn't be working full time, have two kids at home by themselves, which means I needed more support. I needed to get a nanny or get a babysitter for those hours. And it, it was just a hard time, even emotionally for us, um, for him, for myself. And at that point, we basically sat down and said, okay, what would happen if I left my MBA? Because it took me time to decide, okay, this is the right time to do it. And I said, you know, let, let's just keep going as long as I can. If things just absolutely don't work, then I will stop. And that was a tough, almost eight months where he wasn't here. I was trying to manage the kids, the work, the MBA, the workload, the babysitters. We, I, did, I didn't want a nanny, so I, I got babysitters, an army of them. And I think that's one lesson, though. If you want something, you have to plan for it and ask for help. Um, I was very hesitant to ask for help until that point. But when push comes to shower and you really want something, I was asking for help. Anybody who offered help, I took them up. And... I finished and I think it took all of us to get my MBA. I gave all of them a lot of credit because things would, are, would not have been the same. And I didn't want to leave my work and do it full time. At the same time, I didn't want to give up on my MBA because I've heard enough stories where you give up, you, you're never able to come back because something or the other keeps coming through. Ask for help and have a plan, you know, a support system for things to work out. Eight months were tough, but after that, you know, things came back to normal and I was able to finish. So now looking back, everything is easy, but I think that was one challenging time. Those eight months were the hardest because emotionally we were drained and, you know, dealing with cancer is not easy because it's not just the patient, it's the entire family that goes through it. So having that emotional stress, having the kids to deal with the full-time job and the MBA, now looking back, would I have done all of it? Maybe not. Maybe I, I might have just given up on something, but I don't know. We just went through it and it's done. Looking back, it's okay. But one lesson learned was ask for help. Ask for help yeah. and then put, put a system in place. Just don't assume things will happen. Have a system in place. You know, if, if you have to have paid help, pay them, you know, an extra hour if that's what it takes. But make sure you're stress-free and everything gets done on time. That is so good. And, and, you know, again, kind of stepping and putting myself in that situation that had to be hard for you because you had that support system in place with your husband, you had things worked out. And then he has to literally drop everything and, yeah. and go halfway around the world to take care of his parents and things like that. I, I just, I can't imagine how hard that would have been, but what a great story of getting through it, persevering and things like that. Divi, I want to build off that and ask you a final question. Would you share with this audience your biggest piece of intentional encouragement? I would say ask for things. 
talk to people, absolutely talk to people, ask for help because people don't know what you are looking for, what you want. So ask for help. And biggest thing I my takeaway in my life has been network as early as possible. Get to know as many people, not because you want something from them, but just knowing more people gives you more exposure to what life can be, what people think, their perspectives. And that's extremely important. So having, having that network of friends, network of colleagues that absolutely believe in you is very, very important. And be your authentic, genuine self. You know, you don't have to be somebody else to make friends or get to know other people. Be yourself because that's the easiest way because you have one story, keep the story straight and people react to authenticity. Absolutely, because when you bring your authentic self to the table, others also bring their authentic self. So you want to have authentic relationships, but absolutely network and ask for help. Never hesitate to ask for help. It's almost like you had read People Buy from People, because I said that in the in the book, people buy authenticity. They want they want things that are genuine. They want things that are real. They want and 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 Divi, I've got to share this real quick. I love what you said there because too many times we feel like connections are just buttons that you hit on your phone or your computer. And we don't understand that, that really for humans to be connected one with another, it's about those authentic, genuine relationships that we build together. So thank you for sharing that. Tell folks how they can connect with you, how they can find the woman to woman podcast, and, and just let folks know how they can find more of your content. So I am on LinkedIn. Please send me a LinkedIn invite if you want to connect with me. Um, and then Women to Women podcast is on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and Google. We also have a page on LinkedIn. It's called Women to Women Podcasts with an S. So please do connect and uh, listen to the podcast and I love feedback. Anything more, more questions you want to ask our women leaders, we can always incorporate that. So yeah. And thank you so much, Brian, for this opportunity. It was a really good conversation. I really enjoyed myself. Well, thank you. Most people either leave shaking their heads or, or crying or something like that. But no, they don't. <laughs> no, I, Divya, this has been awesome. Um, and I so appreciate you joining me today on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. My thanks as always to producer Bryce Sexton and technical advisor Matt Means. And of course, the ultimate thanks goes to the Lord Jesus Christ, who provides intentional encouragement every day through his word. If you're not subscribed to the Intentional Encourager podcast, hit the subscribe button wherever you get podcasts so you don't miss an exciting episode where you can get encouraged and stay encouraged. And remember, anyone, anywhere, at any time, any place can be an intentional encourager.